welcome to the Chosen Brew Beer Podcast. My name's Ian McNally and this is the podcast where guests talk the way through the six beers that changed everything. It has been a while since I've put out a proper episode of the Chosen Brew, but I did tell you I wouldn't let you down. Here is John Selton from Brick Lane Brewing. Let's call this part one because John did get through all six beers, but there's so many questions I didn't get around to asking John I think we can do that someday in the future hopefully in a beer garden with a pint and a couple of microphones maybe we should invite you to be there as well that would be fantastic my questions for John that I didn't get around to asking were mainly about paragliding but there were also some beer related things as well here's John Selton Brick Lane Brewing let's get into it Thanks very much for coming out, by the way. It's great to see you out here. It's, I know it's a bit of a trek out to Dandenong South. but um, It's always a pleasure. But no, it's good to see you. Um, we, we, we built this as a greenfield site, and it's the first time I've ever done that. You know, I've, I've built a couple of breweries before, relocated things or put in machines and bits and pieces, but this is the first time that I ever did a, a construction project. And um, I remember uh, that sinking feeling when I first sort of came out and looked and saw a proper just giant paddock full of weeds and I thought oh well at least it's level at least it's not on the side of a hill or something like that (laughs) but um but yeah there are a couple of these moments of um gravity I guess where uh one of them was when all the portal frames where all the steel work went up in the building and I thought geez it's a it's happening it's real it's pretty amazing pretty cool project but boy it's big you know how are we going to fill it and as you saw through the walkthrough now with my constant complaining about, oh, I wish we just had a little bit more space here or a little bit more space there, it it feels cosy now. <laughs> you know, it's nice that it's um, it's gone from just a yeah a, a field full of um, Patterson's Curse uh, into a um, into a place that's full of um, um, beautiful brewing equipment. But the thing I'm really proud of is um, beautiful brewing equipment that's really busy with um, with a wonderful team running it. You know, um, so I think we're we're today I think about third three or maybe fourth brew in today and um hive of activity out there you can see yeah Yeah, because you know it's stressful kind of making a brewery filling out the space but then i know brick lane you've also got the i'll call it an issue Mm. of lots of high profile investors and people who are of hanging the hat on this project yep and it's it's on you. Do you feel like? <laughs> did you feel that pressure? Do you still uh, feel that kind of? No, not not really. Because everyone's everyone's really lovely, you know, <laughs> and, and everyone's also um, believers in beer. And you know, there are a lot of um, you know people who are in um, in the media or well known, mainly Melbourne sort of personalities. A couple of big New Zealanders as well. But the 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 pretty amazing thing about this project is it feels like it's a and it is it's a group of mates who had a kind of a dream about owning a brewery who all love beer who all love the product and um it's 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 super fun it's not too much not too much stress we've got a good story though there's there's a couple of investors um that have got a bit of a reputation in the investor group they're the cousins of bart campbell and lovely guys huge advocates of the beer bart's our chairman and the the owner of the melbourne storm and um 
um, uh, you know, a man about town in the NRL, basically, in sports management, and, and also a big beer fan and the, one of the catalysts for this project to come together. And his cousins, uh, you know, were some of our first investors, big believers, um, spent a fair bit of time with them in the brewery, in bars, around the traps, and they're, they're lovely and supportive. But a couple of times they've said to me, OK, John, you know, you've got it all. Do a good job. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> and so far we've done an all right job, I think. So they've, uh, you know, everyone's, everyone's pretty stoked with the, the beer that's coming out and the direction everything's going in. What do you think of the chances of being able to call a beer? Don't. <laughs> <laughs> I was just—I was wondering whether I could say that or not. You might have to beep it out. But um, no, it's uh, maybe with with their face on it. They're larger than life characters, these guys, and um, yeah, generally lovely, supportive, into the beer, which was the the pleasant surprise for me. You know, like the guys are all um, huge beer fans, you know, um, and 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 care about the product and care about um, what goes into making it, into making it really well, and the people who make it. And um, and uh, that 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 was a really nice kind of surprise. You know, no one's in it for kind of um, a quick gain or to to um, to um, make a quick buck or to build it and flip it or something like that. They're all people who have kind of um, doing it because it's it's a good business, mm. but it's also very very good fun. So it's <laughs> nice to have a group yeah. of us around like that. Yeah, and I suppose it does um, fits very well with the food category, fits well with sports, all of those things crossovers. Um, where are we up to, Brick Lane? It feels like you've been around for a long time mm. and hardly any time at all, mm. simultaneously, and mm. you kind of had a, a bit of a, a rebrand after the first launch, mm. um, really trying to... I think you, you get into that stage where it's evident you've kind of found your feet. Is mm. that fair mm. to say? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, for us, yeah, we, it feels like that for us as well. We haven't really been around for, um, for all that long at all. I... Um, I mean, when I look in the mirror, I look like I've aged probably 10 years in the space of two and I've lost a lot of hair. But, um, but no, I, I joined the company. I was the first employee and um, joined before, um, you know, the, the fundraising was all finished and that was in, in um, April in 2017. April 1st, which I always think that was an auspicious <laughs> day to join a new company. Um, and then, you know, spent the next, spent the next little while um, um, putting the business together finding the location, putting the building together, building it out. Um, and first beer for us, first sales beer for us was in sort of August, September um, 2018. So, so we haven't really been around for any time at all, really. We're babies, you know, honestly. The, during that time, during the build-out of the, of the company, um, we also used this amazing sort of camaraderie that exists in the craft brewing industry that everyone talks about but one of the great um, ways it's bared out is I, I left a previous gig at, at Hawkers which I you know which I started as well with with um, Joe and Mazen there and and um, uh, came along here and then during that period just to keep our our toe in the water you know what I mean we, we did a couple of kind of formulation trial brews did a little bit of brewing there under under contract just to you know to more or less as a bit of a test and learn to, to trial, you know, to give the sales guys that we were slowly recruiting something to do to trial some of our business systems. And, um, yeah, that was the first brick lane that ever um, was born in the world. It came out of, um, out of my previous brewery at, um, at Reservoir at, mm. um, at Hawker's. And that, were those, um, that was the original livery. You know, that was the sort of the, the, um, the original um, uh, 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 trowel and um, uh, rondelle and green and blue labels that we saw back then. 
And then, and then when we built the brewery ourselves, we, we, we produced that and sold it in a, in a handful of sort of um, mainly mates venues around Melbourne and um, seeding sort of stuff. And more as an excuse for me to be inside a brewery rather than on a construction site uh, seven <laughs> days a week. And then after we built the brewery, that's when we sort of turned the, turned the machine on. That's when we actually did the the, the um, adaptation of all the formulations, of all the process design to, to suit our, our nice new brewery. It's where we got into the new branding. Mm-hmm. And when we started to actually properly recruit, you know, um, uh, people like our, our um, sales and marketing people, get, get in with our, um, our branding guys, recruit the sales force. And that's where the, that's where the idea, I guess, went from um, uh, a plan on a piece of paper or a dream amongst 30 mates to um, something that was real and something that lived and breathed and um, the beers were new and it felt like it needed a new visual identity too. So that's where we, we got, the, got, the new, um, got the new products out. And it's, it seems to be, at the moment, over the last um, just three months, it seems to be all we're doing at the moment, NPD. We've got so many irons in the fire and so many new products and one of them we're sharing right now. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll talk about this in a yeah. moment, but I think probably from outsiders looking in, you know that Brick Lane came along as this ambitious company that wanted to brew our volume. Mm. And as soon as uh, kind of craft beer fans hear that, they think, oh, this is going to be straight down the line. Beer's not interesting, mm. not for me. Yeah. And I think that the pale ale is great. It's great entry-level beer. Yep. Particularly, I found really impressive the baseline lager, 3%. Mm. I don't think there's a comparable beer of mm. that mm. quality and, and taste oh, at yeah. that 3% yeah. volume, yeah, which is... is Brilliant. I think Australia needs more of that. And now you've released the Someday Sours. Mm -hmm. Brewing, we've got in our hands here a Revolver Dark Hoppy Ale. Particularly the the Supernova was fantastic. Got Draft coming out, Red Hoppy Ale. uh, Red Hoppy is the one um, I think doesn't get enough praise because Mm. there's not many breweries doing that style of beer. Uh, and it's great. It's mm. great in summer. It's great in winter. Yeah. It's such a strong beer. Yeah. It's you must be excited by by this yeah. uh, prospective oh, variety. It's, yeah, it's 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 awesome. You know, it really is. And um, there's a kind of a belief, you know, um, in the company and you know, in in my team amongst the brewers that um, regardless of the beer style that we're making, be it like fine line, a three percent straight up and down sort of mid strength lager. I call it baseline, still, isn't that? Maybe oh, you could maybe you close. could maybe that, you could, we brew could another one. <laughs> maybe baseline like I like that. Baseball. Wanna, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um uh, yeah, so fine line, um, you know, be it that or be it um we've got a, a sort of a um a big brother of Red Hoppy coming out soon. Which I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about top secret. Red right hand it's called. This this super hoppy, double dry hopped, sort of imperial red IPA, you know, big beer, you know, that's gonna be up at sort of high eight percent mark. And 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 regardless of you know, these are two extremes in the scale. Um, but regardless of what style we're brewing in or what type of liquid we're making, there's a kind of an ethos here that we want it to be the best expression of that possible you know what I mean um we want it to be um more than anything else in balance something that's you know um just a a pleasure to drink you know uh whether it's amongst friends on the side of the pool in summer like you would with some days or whether it's something beside the fire you know on a night like today in Melbourne where it's pretty 
bitter and horrible and uh, and uh, going to start raining pretty soon. Um, like Revolver, like the beer that we're drinking now, the, the idea is to, to, to try and present something that's that's more than anything else in balance for the style. That's that's I, I that's not that's not um, uh, nothing nothing's. Um, I hate the kind of the adjective challenging when it comes to when it comes to beer. Beer's there, I think, to to absolutely delight people. Whether it's an imperial IPA that's incredibly bitter, that bitterness serves a purpose in the beer. You know, it drives either that that beautiful satiating sort of um, drinkability of those bigger beers. It, it balances the kind of the the sometimes um, more sticky or more um, um, bigger body from the from the just the sheer amount of malt that goes into those beers, you know. Even those very big beers, I'd contend, when made well, should be still elegant or still um, still balanced. You know, a really great expression of what the style can be. And that's the kind of the thread I think that that runs through a lot of our brewing and a lot of our products here. Um, uh, when it comes to the brand mix, yeah, for sure. You know, our first we've got an aspiration to be a, a national brewer, you know, to brew a lot of beer. And, um, you know, there are, there are styles and there are categories that, that, um, that, uh, that you make to support that kind of that vision. And um, the thing is, all those beers that we make, we all love. <laughs> they don't feel like a... Um, they don't feel um, boring or uninteresting or like a compromise. And in fact, um, all the brewers, we tend to gravitate to some of those as our kind of our knockoffs and our, our favourite our favorite beers of an afternoon to drink. But now that we've established that, now that we've got this good core, that we've got good sort of national ranging um, for these kind of these stable or core beers, I've got to admit, it is fun to play um, up the pointy end as well and to be making some really, um, some really interesting styles of beer also. Uh, it's, it's, it's a bit of a dream gig, this, because um, it, it, it's a beautiful size brewery. It allows you the, to have a, a really great, wonderful, competent team, to have all the sort of support around you, like a great quality department, great maintenance guys and engineering guys, great equipment, but at the same time, you're not producing you know four million hectolitres a year of lager you know you've got the ability to play to produce small batches to 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 really experiment and kind of um retain the kind of the joy that is you know um that brought me into the craft beer industry to begin with Mm -hmm. you know the idea of iteration experimentation flavor but to do it with the the best team and the kind of the best equipment the best process equipment you can you know um uh so I, i i think i'm I think I'm super lucky. I think I've got um, I think I've got one of the best gigs in in brewing in in the world. To tell you the truth, I, I love it. Well, that's fantastic to hear. Yeah. And you, you you know I think many listeners to the show will know that you you're considered one of the most gifted brewers in Australia as well. This is one of the reasons why people trust you to do the, this the amount of money i have to pay the propaganda society to put those lies out there you know to see twitter with all the the russian hackers i have to pay to put out those things to, to make people believe it you wouldn't believe the bill but i think it's also you know on a um you know a craft beer note it's it's great if people if you have a brand like brick lane who have distribution into places where craft beer doesn't get to and then you start bringing out these really crafty, tasty, wonderful beers. Yeah. People trust in that brand. They're more likely to step over and, and you know, widen their palate and, yeah. and experiment with yeah. something that they trust, yeah. uh, which they're certainly not going to do with, you know, Carlton Draft yeah. aren't making Carlton Draft like IPA or yeah. sour. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a great opportunity, I feel. Uh, we're here to talk through the six beers 
they changed everything, John. Yeah. Uh, let's get stuck into it with choice one. Okay. It's, uh, I've got, I did a lot of soul searching, right? <laughs> it's, 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 it's hard, right? Because, um, you know, when, you, when your life sort of revolves around beer, you know, personally and professionally, you know, for me, like a lot of people in craft beer, this started as an obsession, you know? It started as um, a love of the product, and that's how I came to it. You know, some brewers find their way in through um, an interest in engineering. Some people find their way in because they're a background in um, whatever, chemical engineering or food science or... or um, um, or process engineering or, or whatever. There's a lot of pathways into beer. And, and I reckon craft beer is a real magnet for people who just love the liquid, who people who love what's in the can and the flavours and everything that go into it. And, and um, it's really hard to pare down to six. And I'm just I, uh, I'm going to have to rush through some of them, I reckon, to, to, to not bore everyone. But the, the first one, it's, it's a bit of a selfish and indulgent one, right? Because no one else has had a chance to taste it except for two or three people. And it, I reckon it's the thing that... You know, somewhere deep in my bloody brainstem, in my lizard brain, that that got me interested in the first place, and it was my it was my my great grandfather's homebrew. <laughs> so uh, my my sort of my patrilineal side are, are all Latvian, and um, and he came from from Riga. You know, during the during World War One, was one of the what they call the the Russian Anzacs. So fought in the Australian Army, but but originally uh, originally from Latvia, and with him from Latvia. I didn't know him well, right? I was very, very young at the time. I know my grandfather reasonably well, who's still alive in his mid-90s and still a beer lover up in, um, up in northern New South Wales. Um, but uh, my great-grandfather, I've just got these, you know, those, those hazy kind of um, ephemeral kind of childhood memories. Sometimes not great visual memories, but boy, I remember the smells and the tastes and some of these things. And some of these early memories I've got are of him up in, in Lauriton, um, home brewing, you know, and home brewing these pungent, dark beers, using extract, using rye. Um, not, you know, I was a, a young kid at the time, right? So I, I, don't, I don't remember so much the, the finished product as I do the kind of the smells of the making. You know, I'm, you know I, I, one of my earliest kind of childhood memories is that the smell of wort boiling, you know, spicy kind of dark wort boiling. Um, and, and I remember the sort of the, the fastidious notes he took during... Um, during brewing, you know, I had a little black book full of a whole bunch of formulation stuff and um, uh, scribbles and things like this that I should try and find one day. But while I don't remember the beer, I reckon that's one of my earliest beer memories, you know, and it's probably, um, well, I'd, I'd contend it's done something to, to um, you know, often you have as, as a kid these strong memories that are associated with smells and with sort of um, sensory experience and, 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 and this was it for me, I think. Um, and uh, it was just so far out of um, the realms of the normal. It felt like you're um, sort of an alchemist. He was doing this sort of this magic, you know, concocti- concocting this kind of this, this secret potion, you know, and um, this secret sort of men's business in the back shed. And, and, and um, I think that's what planted the seed. So I think that was number one for me. The finished product can't vouch for because I got sips <laughs> <laughs> I got sips but I didn't get pints at that age unfortunately um, but yeah I, I think the, the those those hazy fady kind of um, dreamlike kind of kitty memories of of the actual making of the beer 
is probably planted the seed. Yeah, and I think just the sweetness of that smell must have been yeah, so yeah. attractive. Yeah, I remember to it was always black beer. Child. It was always dark beer. So it looked yeah. it looked out of this world. You know, there's no other food really that you eat that is black or or drink that you make that is black and it was um it was boiling and it was foaming and it was uh um yeah that the, I remember the spicy dark sort of sweet smell of wort boiling and it's still I live in I live in um in Abbotsford, you know, right next to CUB, and um, and still, you know, uh, that that smell that we get from the brewery or from any brewery for that matter, mm. um, just just brings back very different beer, different, very different products, but it brings back, <laughs> I guess, it just I get a smile on my face every time I smell wort boiling. That's a lovely story, John. Um, let's go for choice two. Mm-hmm. Okay, probably a boring one, you know, probably get me painted as a bit of a lager boy, but. But choice two for me would be um, probably Tegensier Hell or Augustina. You know, these wonderful South German kind of Bavarian um, pale beer, pale lager beer, you know. And I, uh, I think these are styles that real um, beer geeks can become infatuated with because for me they're the kind of the they're, the... they're the apogee of kind of refinement, right? They've been made for so long by people who are completely anal and by people who are completely focused on making the best possible expression of these styles. Tegensee as well, like it's in a it's in a beautiful location. You know, it's surrounded by mountains, it's it's in it's it's hilly, it's um, romantic, it's there's people bloody mountain biking and alpine lakes and paragliding and the whole place is just like a dream, you know? And and um, Again, you know, I think a lot of people associate um, beers or some of their best drinking experiences with places and with time. And you know, in either in Munich at the Augustina Beer Keller, their 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 Hellas, or in or in Tegensee, you know, they're, they're some of the best kind of um, drinking experiences I could imagine. You know, and I've I've had a couple of these, you know, um, where they've just they've just stuck with me. And the beer's been subliminal, but a, a good deal of that. I think also comes from who you're with, where you are, that point in history or that point in your life. I remember, um, uh, I haven't got it on my list, but I'm going to sneak another one in. Uh, I remember uh, the other extreme is, you know, in, in Bristol, you know, um, uh, uh, there a couple of, you know, maybe maybe six or seven years ago, just drinking on in a pub on a Sunday in a beautiful spring day, a horrible beer full of fucking buttery diacetyl. You know, it was horrible, but it was still <laughs> such a memorable, special time and I loved that pint <laughs> just because of the kind of uh, technically kind of flawed beer right you know but um but it just goes to show that um the kind of the experience of drinking or of any sort of sensory experience it's not just how something tastes mm. it's the whole milieu around it right it's the it's mm. the the people you're with um the weather you know the mm. light through those trees I didn't mind that my pint was sitting in the sun slowly getting skunky and smelt like butter you know because it was just this um um, the, the the perfect Sunday for me, you know, the perfect yeah. Sunday lunch. <laughs> it's one of those things as well. You must get asked a bit. Uh, people might say, "What's your favorite beer?" Mm. <laughs> it's it's like saying, "What's your favorite song?" It depends yeah. what mood you're in. Yeah, which is your favorite child? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Stuff, Oh, that's yeah. easy. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, are we still recording? Um, <laughs> um, let's go. Choice three. Uh, I reckon, um, you know, as I was as I was kind of falling down the rabbit hole. Uh, of um, the world of craft beer in Australia, um, 
one of the breweries that was um, that I fell in love with was um, was Murray's during the time that Sean Sherlock was there, um, and friends and I, you know, um, we would just finished university and we'd um, we'd we'd go up there to um, Bob's Farm, I think it was Bob's Farm, I think the suburb was called, and uh, visit the brewery um, Taylor's Arm. Bob's Farm. I'll have to, I'll have to look it up. Um, somewhere up there in the sort of the central. It sounds coast. good. One of yeah. those places. It yeah, great. Uh, I'm sure someone will be able to correct me. Um, but I remember going up there, and you know, we were well and truly switched on to um, the possibility of what beer could be. You know, we've gone through that kind of epiphany of mm. of um, having our um, um, imagination kind of exploded by all the all the wonderful imported American beer that was in Australia at the time and. Um, you know the the craft beer kind of revolution was well and truly afoot by then we were we were um in the trenches you know we were loving it and um and i really just super fondly remember the diversity and the range of beers they made there the, those first anniversary ales they made there were just really special beers i remember them i remember um it was the first beer i think i'd ever bought in um you know with um cork and cage this beautiful um opulent you know, um, giant magnum that came in, and and I really remember the the orangey marmalady, um, beautiful character of these beers. This perfect kind of interplay of of, you know, these new super fresh, um, hop aromas that I wasn't getting from imported sort of beers at the time that had been sort of pretty badly temperature abused, um, married you know tactfully, which I reckon Sherlock's you know. Um, um, Hallmark, you know, making again these perfectly integrated beers, these really wonderful beers, um, and so these these beautiful orangey, orange pithy, marmalady kind of hops, with this beautiful biscuity malt and this this champagne like effervescence. And Christ, it was just such a beautiful trip, such a beautiful beer um, at an important part of my life where I was sort of well and truly down the rabbit hole, you know, well and truly sort of, um, um, uh, um, realizing that this, that this beer thing was more than just, um, more than just a passing interest. It's what I really wanted to, what I wanted to do and what did I want to, the world I wanted to be in. Wow. And, um, yeah, so I think, I think, yeah, I had great memories of a lot of those Murray's beers at the time and, and particularly those anniversary hours, those first couple of anniversary hours that they released. And so, Sean, if you're listening, it, that's your fault. <laughs> Brick yeah. Lane is yeah. your fault, yeah, Sean. exactly, yeah. <laughs> Checks in the post. Um, <laughs> choice four. Uh, it's, it's, and it's another one that I think it's a, it's a pretty, it's a, probably a pretty popular one, I'd imagine, or one that, um, that, that was, a, it was one that I'm, um, I'm proud of Australia having produced this beer um, and f- also having um, so many people be able to enjoy it. And it was Ferrell's Hop Hog, you know. Again, um, just, the, you know, the, the fact that it was so available and that it was so fresh and such a beautiful marriage of these bloody beautiful, um, you know, uh, tropic hop flavours that were, that, were, that were more and brighter and fresher and more multidimensional than... than um, say some of the American beers that were that we were bringing in, you know, at the time that were, um, you know, just just old or or one dimensional or or sometimes at best beautiful and elegant. But to think that this stuff could be produced fresh and wonderfully in Australia, I think um, I'm not a I'm not a huge IPA fan. Like I don't drink and buy a lot of IPA. But I remember the rise of this beer again. You know, around that time, I guess. Um, 
and um, and just and just loving it and sort of again opening the the senses to to um, what beer could be and to what hop flavor could be in beer. Right, this mm. thing had um, you know um, you know had such again a wide gamut of um, of flavor and aroma, beautifully made, um, and um, yeah, it was a it was a real. Uh, it was a real go-to for me at the time, I think. And the aroma off that beer was incredible. And I think people forget as well that it was, it was quite a strong beer for its time. Mm, I think mm. it was 5.8, still 5.8%. Yeah, 5.8%. Yep, yep. uh, 8%, 8%, 8%, <laughs> um, you know, that, was, that made it really stand out at the time. It wouldn't now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I remember also, again, I think it's all context stuff. You know, like I remember I, I was... I, was a regular sort of bar flight the the tap house in Darlinghurst I was living in Sydney at the time and um you know it was around that time where um you know it was it was something that was often featured there it was often often on tap there and um you know uh, amongst so many other wonderful beers it was one that I'd always sort of um go back to and, and always love and you're right at the time it was it'd get a bit lost in the noise nowadays right which is a pity um because um uh, while there's great, wonderful things happening at the fringes and at the edges that are that are super fantastic, it's um, it's sometimes sad to think that there are these wonderful, um, wonderfully formulated beers um, that might not be um, that might not be 12 percent or that might not be super high ABV or have something that's um, that cuts through, you know, marketing message-wise that mm. that people aren't perhaps drinking enough of or aren't um, aren't as focused on, but. But yeah, no, I, I think that was a triumph of a beer. I loved it. Yeah, amazing. Um, choice five. Okay, uh, another probably um, another probably uncontentious one, a bit of a beer geeky one. But saison de pont, you know, uh, a wonderful, um, you know, like I saisons. I've I've always loved. I've loved brewing them. I, I love drinking them. And and uh, there's a reason that this is the hallmark of the style. You know, this is one where. Um, I've never been to Belgium, actually, um, and I've never had the kind of the authentic drinking experience of this, you know, there. But it's one that I've that I've bought um, and that I continue to buy consistently because it's just the, the the most subliminal expression of the style. It really is the kind of the benchmark for me. That kind of that perfect balance between kind of earthiness, between the floral hops, between the beautiful frit- spritzy sort of yeah mm. champagne-like carbonation. Um, the, 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 the bracing kind of, you know, sometimes shockingly high bitterness in it, surprisingly bracing sort of bitterness in it. And it's the fact that it's so beautifully bone dry, you know, it's, it's, it's just such a, a pleasure, you know. And um, amongst, amongst a, you know, it's a, it's a fantastic and broad church saison, right? It's a really, it's a, it's a really um, uh, yeah, hugely diverse sort of style, particularly um, considering all the, the, the sort of the, the, the craft interpretations of the style that have come come past in the past sort of um, um, 12, 15 years, you know, in the States and, and over here as well. Um, it's a great pity that there's not more of it brewed and that it's not more popular in Australia because I think, again, it's just a, it's one that's suited to our climate. It's so diverse. It matches so nicely with so many types of, so many types of food. Um, it doesn't have the same um, challenges with matching to something like hop hog, you know, like hops really are bloody difficult, you know, with food a lot of the time. But... Um, but Saison Dupont, it's just, it's just, um, it's a gold standard for me. I love it. Yeah, it's an awesome beer, and I think our close, your close neighbours exits brew a Saison, which mm-hmm. is a great example of an Australian. But it, it is puzzling how it's not um, 
as popular as it should be. Yep. Same with wheat beer as well. Wheat beer yeah. just seems very hard to sell oh, in Australia. Which great, is, yeah, bloody tragedy, really. It is, yeah. yeah. Um, again, you know, I don't have any on my list, but um, you shouldn't have mentioned it because I want to <laughs> shut up about wheat beer now. But, um, but yeah, for whatever reason, and, and God knows why, you know, there's, there's a clever consumer psychologist out there who I'm sure could mm. tell us because these things are... Um, are, are great drinks you know there's no contention about it yeah. and and for whatever reason um yeah they don't seem to work as well here you know and it's not the it's not true elsewhere you know it's not true in in other in other countries with emerging craft beer markets it's not the same in in japan or korea or the states or brazil or you know there's all these places where um these styles are more widely brewed by small brewers and um and more widely drunk and um yeah, it's interesting that um, they're not here. I wish I could work it out. It's crazy. One of my friends, good friends from Canada, uh, she came over mm-hmm. and she said, oh, I said, what type of beer would you like? She said, a wheat beer. And I was like, I'm really going to struggle to buy a local wheat beer, but um, we digress. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let's go to choice six. Okay, just up the road um, from, <laughs> from DuPont um, Orval, you know, which again, it's a beer that, um, this was probably one of those epiphany beers for me. You know, it was when I was a, a teenager, I think, at, at a parent's friend's dinner party mm-hmm. and someone had these beautiful weird shaped blue bottles and I thought, what is this? You know, and I had a glass of it um, and, and I thought, it's, it's beer, you know, and it was, um, it was really, again, the beginning of a bit of an obsession. You know, like it is such a, um, such a unique and, and, and beautiful product, Orval. Um, and, you know, one of the... I, I prefer it, you know, when it's beautiful and fresh and vibrant and everything like that. But, again, you know, it's just this, this mystery or this thing that, that, um, that uh, I guess, opens, opens the drinker's mind or opens the consumer's mind to the fact that beer isn't like a... It's not a, it's not a dead beverage, right? It's something that, that changes quite often for the worst, but it's something that evolves massively over time. And I, I think there are a few beer styles um, that... that like Orval, that, that kind of, um, that's the whole point of it, right? You know, it, it, it brings this, you know, right into the consumer's kind of mind. And, um, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't get it as much as I, as, I, um, as I should or as I do anymore, but when I think about, like, a, an example of, um, of um, a, beautifully, um, a beautifully constructed beer, you know, that's this great interplay of, of yeast and of, and of wonderful SARS hops, you know, like a, a, a much maligned and underrated um, cultivar, you know, that's, that's, that's in a lot, of, um, a lot of my favourite styles of beer. It's, um, it's, it's pretty special, you know. <laughs> it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a favourite. Um, and a, a snack to go with these beers and a receptacle to drink them out of? Yep, what did I've, you go for? Yeah, well, I've, I've, got a, I've got a couple of favourites. Anything salty and fried. <laughs> I love my, my food. My food, um, uh, my preferences in food probably aren't as refined as my preferences in beer. <laughs> but um, but uh, fried anchovies, Malaysian fried anchovies, something like this, something that's crunchy and salty and with peanuts yeah. or something like the perfect bar snack, you know. Um, and... Uh, my local Park Hotel down at Abbotsford. They the other day um, I had on the menu this um, this it was like um, Korean fried chicken, but it was cauliflower and it was fried, crunchy, sticky, covered in this beautifully sweet, sticky, incredibly spicy, very very hot sauce. And my God, was it the most perfect? Um, I mean, it's a it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's I can't get it again now for the next six weeks, unfortunately. Thank you, coronavirus. But um, it was um, the perfect. Um, yeah, put in their courtyard there. Just recently, I guess, a, a, a great accompaniment to the to a pint down there. 
Well, John, thanks so much for fitting me in today. Uh, I think we've we've raced through these um, these six beers. I think I would love to spend a little bit more time when you've got a bit more time sat in the courtyard of the Park Hotel. Bring the recording equipment. We'll sit and have a pint. And you we'll bring do, the recorder. I'll bring the beer. We'll we'll do a bit of an extension of this episode. How I'd does love that to, sound? Man. I'd love to. Yeah, it's been a joy to talk with you. Sorry to have to run. Thank you so much for making the trip out. It's great to show you around. No, absolute pleasure. And um, yeah, I look forward to uh, to that pint in the in the park. Brilliant. Thanks a lot. Thanks, John. Yes, bye. So that was it, John Selton from Brick Lane. We managed to cram so much into that half hour. But as I said up the top, so many more questions and areas I wanted to speak to John about. Hopefully we will have a lazy afternoon in uh, in the Park Hotel in Abbotsford and, and kick back in the summer sunshine one day. I think Brick Lane is also a fascinating addition uh, to the craft beer world and to the wider beer world as well. I think with the the scope that they have with the influence of their investors, along with John's passion for brewing high-quality beer, they could make a really great beer company, but also have a really positive influence for other brewers as well in terms of broadening the craft beer market. At the time of recording, just released a beer called Revolver. Um, they've previously released Supernova, which both beers I have hugely enjoyed um, loving the return of black IPAs as well. I don't care if they call them something else like dark hoppy beers. The black IPAs, they're delicious. Call them what you want. Just brew more of them, please. Um, shout out to Paul as well from Brick Lane who uh, helped make that interview happen as well. I met John at a Good Beer Week event, which seems a lifetime ago. And I had long wanted to get him onto the podcast. Um, and thanks, Paul, for uh, giving me the nudge and making it happen. And thanks, John, as well, for being so generous with your time. And I'm sure we can uh, arrange for an episode in the future, which might not include six beers, but might just maybe we can drink or share six beers <laughs> instead. That would be great. A couple of things I want to talk about uh, just before signing off for this episode Thank you for being there, for listening, for downloading. And thanks for those of you who have got in touch as well. If you haven't sent me a message, but you've been inspired or something has changed the way you think about beer, or you've come up with your own six beers, get in touch. You can email me, thechosenbrewau at gmail.com. You can email me through thechosenbrewau.com website. Uh, on the contact page um, or you can get me through Facebook or Instagram The Chosen Brew otherwise jump on YouTube half eight Melbourne time on a Thursday night and I'll see you there thanks again for all your support keep strong, keep drinking good beer and I will speak to you soon with another great episode The Six Beers That Changed Everything as Winston Churchill said, and this is the only ever Winston Churchill quote I will quote on this podcast. When you're going through hell, keep going. That's it, really. It was a good try. See you next time.